the following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we have a an interesting topic today. Um, I am tentatively calling it the last taboo, <laughs> uh, and that is death. Uh, but don't worry, my guest is very funny, <laughs> so she will make you laugh. <laughs> uh, in fact, that is really the only way to um, to talk about death, because um, you know, otherwise, it's so it's so interesting, so ironic that we are all. Um, terrified of our mortality, and yet every day in the news, that is all we hear about. Maybe not all, but that is the majority of what we hear about. How this, I mean, just today, for example, of course, there's always stuff about terrorism and people dying in different attacks about terrorism, uh, or people becoming terrorists. Of course, that's my, that's my specialty um, as the terrorist therapist, uh, but Putting that aside from terrorism, of course, recently we've been having all the different natural disasters, uh, hurricanes and fires. Uh, there's, as, as we speak, as you listen uh, today, there are still fires out of control in Northern California, for example. Really, I don't know if you've seen any of those pictures, but they are just horrendous. I mean, it just seems un- literally unreal that um, whole large areas have been reduced to rubble as if it were the apocalypse. I mean, it, it, it's, it doesn't seem like it really seems like a movie. But, of course, it's very real to the people who have lost everything. So, and we, of course, we hear about every day there's uh, all these different uh, stories about illnesses, from cancer to uh, today. I was reading something today about how stress is as bad for you as chocolate, um, that was uh, I, that, that was kind of. I mean, we all know stress is bad for you, but um, so I'd rather have chocolate. Thank you very much. Um, what else was there? Oh, there was uh, all different uh, STDs, deadly STDs. Um, you know, just every every which way that um, one could die is presented to us every day. You just have to go to Google News or turn on your car radio. And it's there, and yet at the same time, we are engaged in um, putting off that thought for as long as possible. I mean, how many of you have um, written your obituary or thought about what kind of funeral you would like? Um, I, I know I want a shocking pink 
casket because that's that's my color. That's my signature color. Um, and I want doves, something to do with doves. <laughs> but that's about as far as I've gotten. Um, so, you know, what have you thought about? And what if families don't talk about it, which... Uh, means that then when it comes time that a person dies, and sometimes, you know, it's uh, it's not the oldest person in the family. It's a shocking kind of death, and uh, and no one has really talked about it or thought about it. And um, and then you're scrambling around, and, and you want to do what the person would want, you, uh, but you don't know what the person would want because you don't want to talk to them about it because you know, especially if they're older, you don't want to make them nervous where you're kind of telling them basically that you think they're going to die soon. So all of this is kind of a mess. And, um, and we have, uh, oh, of course, I shouldn't leave out the uh, Las Vegas shooter. That's kind of something that has brought death to the minds of all of us um, very abruptly, very gruesomely. Um, you know, the idea of the increasingly possible idea that we would be caught in an attack of that kind, a shooter, could be related to terrorism, Islamic, radical Islamic terrorism or not, um, and, and look at all the, the numbers of people who were killed and injured. So it's all around us, and yet we have blinders on um, because, because we, well, for one reason, because we don't know what happens after death. And I'm going to ask our guest about other reasons, because she has been studying this and has become the doyen of death um, and has looked at this issue from all different sides. Uh, her name is Gail Rubin. She is, has written three books on end-of-life issues. Um, she also creates these death cafes. Wait till you hear about that. Um, she, her first book, an award-winning book, was called A Good Goodbye, Funeral Planning for Those Who Don't Plan to Die. And that, you know, I, actually, as a little child, <laughs> I remember starting as a little child to begin to think that um, th- by the time I get old enough to die, right, whatever that is, <laughs> by the time I get old enough to die, they will have found the cure for death. I really believed that for many years, and to some extent, I still believe it now. Actually, actually, I think there's more of a chance now because they have been doing some experiments on uh, injecting, um, injecting blood from very young mice into older mice, and it actually um, has been able to make the older mice live longer. So we are not far away, and I might well... <laughs> Outlast this. Um, I love her third book um, title, Kicking the Bucket List, 100 Downsizing and Organizing Things to Do Before You Die. And then in the middle, a book that she co-authored, Hail and Farewell, Cremation Ceremonies, Templates, and Tips. So, Gail, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Dr. Carol. (laughs) What do you think? Do you think they're going to find a way to um, make people not have to die? 
Well, I mean, that would be very unfortunate if you thought that, <laughs> given all the body of work that you have been putting into to help people confront death. I guess you don't want to think that. Well, when you when you talk about the mice and, you know, the young mice and the old mice and the blood, I was thinking vampires. That's how vampires live forever. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, the really important thing about living is to make the most of this day and to live it fully and being present, not dwelling on the past or projecting into the future. And I think that's a big issue with a lot of people that we're not, as 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 the uh, saying went back in the 70s and is still true today, be here now. Mm-hmm. And, and to... Um, to fully embrace it. Mark Twain said that a a man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. Mm. So I don't think a lot of us are living fully because a lot of us are not prepared to die. Even though we have a 100% mortality rate, less than 30% of adults do any end-of-life planning. That's wills or trusts, advanced medical directives, and pre-need funeral planning. Not to mention downsizing all that crap we've got in our house. <laughs> well, you know, um, what about um, the the thing that some people think? Uh, I'm not saying necessarily that that I do. I mean, actually, this is something that I sort of struggle with, whether I believe it or not. But what about you know? There is this, um, like you know, I'm talking about like um, um, ask, believe, receive. Um, the you know the whole. Uh, idea of that if you that you shouldn't concentrate, you shouldn't think about things that you don't want to manifestation. This is what I'm looking for. You shouldn't think ah. about things that you don't want to make manifest. And so, if you think about, if you do all these planning things that you're talking about, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't. I'm sure you people say this to you. A lot of people would think, well, if I if I'm all set to die with all these things in place then I'm going to manifest death. Well, I've been talking about this stuff for over seven years now, and so far, so good. (laughs) Well, I'm knocking wood here. (laughs) But but the thing is, if if you, you know, say, well, I'm not going to do that because then I'm going to die sooner rather than later, we are all going to die. It's just the fact that we don't know when or where or how is very stress-inducing. And to avoid that stress, and um, there's actually a psychological construct called the terror management theory. Are you familiar with that? Posited by um, the author of The Denial of Death, um, is that because we are so terrified of our mortality and the idea of not being here anymore, we either try to ensure our immortality by procreating, having children, building buildings, writing books, making something physical that will live beyond our physical uh-huh. lifetime, or uh, religiously speaking, um, believing in an afterlife and uh, the idea that you will go someplace good. So, uh-huh. and then there are those people who are, you know, very literalists who say, when you're dead, you're done, you know. You, you are your body and nothing more. I personally believe that 
there is a spirit that resides within us as long as we breathe. And when we stop breathing and we're dead, that spirit goes elsewhere. But like Einstein said, energy doesn't dissipate. Or all physicists are saying that energy just changes form. Uh-huh. It, doesn't, it doesn't die. Even mm-hmm. though our bodies might die, our energy lives on in other ways especially in the hearts of the people who love us. And if you don't plan ahead and your loved ones are scrambling to pull together information and make expensive decisions under duress of grief, you are not doing them any favors. Mm -hmm. You're leaving them in a mess. When I was uh, at a networking meeting and I was talking with this couple and they said, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a death educator. (laughs) Death with a T-H, not with an F. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah. people ask me if I know sign language, and I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And I could tell right away they were very nervous about bringing up the topic of death. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, it's just a tent. It's just a tent. And I was like, it's, what? It's just what? a tent. It's what? They were saying it's just a tent. They were talking about your body being just a tent that holds oh. your spirit. And then when you die, your spirit goes to heaven and you just leave your tent. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, you know, when I grew up in the Girl Scouts, we were taught to leave our campsites better than we found it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't plan ahead and you leave your tent, you're going to leave a messy campground for your loved ones to deal with. And that isn't very considerate. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, let's, let's, um, let's back up a little bit because I'm, I'm, people are probably wondering, as I certainly um, am, I mean, I read some on your website, but, you know, I, I want the, <laughs> the full story. How, um, how does someone um, get, I mean, wait, before we, I, I, I want to hear your story, how you became uh, a death educator and uh, Dwayne of death and so on. But I just want to go back to something for a minute. Um, you know, when I was talking about this whole manifestation thing that some people believe, um, you know, one of the things that goes along with that is that they recommend, uh, now, I'm, I'm just repeating, they recommend that you don't, and I know as a doctor, I, 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 am, I am not recommending this. I am just telling the story. Um, they recommend that you don't go to doctors because um, if you, like, go for a checkup, I'm talking about physical doctors, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you go for a, because it's not that if you go to see a psychiatrist like myself, you're going to manifest crazy. <laughs> you would have most likely manifested crazy already before somebody told you to go to a psychiatrist. But I'm talking about physical illnesses, that there was this thought that, if you go for a, ch- a yearly checkup or you go because you feel a pain here or just have some worry, um, that then you will, in fact, manifest something. Someone will, something will be found. The doctor will find something. I mean, you, you, what do you think about that? Well, planning ahead for your funeral can actually, you do it and it's done. It's not like you're dwelling on it. And so I I think once you at least put your wishes on file and the information on file, it's not like you have to prepay for 
funeral plans that you put on file with a reputable funeral director. Um, but then, you know, you have to figure out, well, how will your loved ones pay for it when it's done? We are all going to die. There's no question in regard to that. So planning ahead in terms of what you would want for funeral arrangements or memorial service arrangements if you're going to be cremated isn't necessarily going to manifest your death anytime soon. So okay. I, I disagree with the, the, the idea that that would make it happen. In fact, a number of people get peace of mind once they've made their arrangements and if they you know, wanted to prepay, they've prepaid for it. Like my parents, uh, me being the doyen of death, they, I, I said, you know, we ought to get this done for you so we don't have to think about this. And they did that over four years ago. And my mom just turned 88 yesterday. So, you know, it's not going to kill you to do it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, my, I just hear the music. We have to... It's time already to take a break. break. When we come back, we are going to hear Gail Rubin's life story and how she became the Dwayne of Death. And this is a very, very interesting story. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, Strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Gail Rubin, the Dwayne of Death. 
we are talking today about the last taboo, and that is talking about death. Before we get into Gail's life <laughs> and how she became the Dwayne of death, um, an unusual kind of thing. In fact, she has it trademarked. <laughs> um, uh, I just want to, I, I just feel ethically, I want to make sure I make something clear. As a physician, um, I certainly am not saying to you to not go for annual checkups. Um, but, because, and in fact, when um, people do decide, like seem to have the idea out of the clear blue sky that, oh my goodness, I forgot to go to my checkup or, or when someone seemed to have the idea out of the clear blue sky that they should see their doctor, whether it's an annual checkup or just anything. Sometimes it has to do with, um, like in these cases that I was talking about, when there comes a, a bad diagnosis from that visit and checkup and, and um, tests and so on, sometimes really what it is is that the person unconsciously has some kind of an awareness that there is something wrong with their physical body, that there is something that needs fixing, needs treatment in their physical body, and that does unconsciously spur them on to go see a doctor. And so it is not sort of a coincidence or unusual that then, in fact, there might be something found. It doesn't have to be something, uh, you know, that, that foretells death, a terminal illness, but something typically. Okay, now let's get back to Gail Rubin and hear about how she, how she uh, came from being a little baby full of life <laughs> to becoming the Dwayne <laughs> of death. Where were you born, by the way? I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, uh-huh. uh, in Maryland, Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, had um, actually started my career as a television producer. I majored in television and film in college, and um, got a job at C-SPAN right out of college and then went into public relations. So event planning was uh, a lot of what I did. Uh, and it wasn't until I got married for the second time in 2000 and we had a really creative Jewish Western wedding and everybody had a really good time. We had a Western swing band at the reception and I wore a red dress with cowboy boots and a black fringe jacket and ah, the rabbi great. wore a bolo and cowboy boots and we had a blast and everybody had such a good time. I wanted to write a book about creative life cycle events and call it Matchings, Hatchings, and Dispatchings about weddings and births and deaths. And I got to write a monthly feature in our local newspaper about life cycle events under that name. And it was the features and stories about death and funerals that got the most reader response. And it told me there's a real need to be able to have this conversation and that humor is a good way to open the door to something that causes a lot of stress when it comes up in polite conversation. So I focused on funerals, and my first book, A Good Goodbye Funeral Planning for Those Who Don't Plan to Die, came out Initially, originally in 2010, and I'm, I'm about ready to do a second edition because a lot has changed in the funeral business in seven mm. years. Well, wait, but let's, but, 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 before you get too far, first of all, did you come in on a horse or your husband-to-be on a horse? No, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> no horses were involved. There was sawdust on the floor in the, in the uh, reception hall, which was a converted horse barn. But, uh, oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> but let's go back um, before that, because um, 
Because you, you, um, you actually got the seed for this idea in college. Well, you know, it's interesting. When I think back about my college career, and there, there was a movie, I majored in television and film and communications, and I was in a film production class. And one of the assignments was for everybody in the class to make a three-minute black-and-white Super 8, I'm dating myself, <laughs> film. And it had to be called the bubblegum film. So it had to have something to do with bubblegum. <laughs> and a lot of my classmates made movies that had car chases in them and something tangentially about bubblegum at the end. Uh-huh. But because it had to be black and white, for some reason, I thought of Ingmar Bergman's classic film, The Seventh Seal. Now, this, is, uh, this came out in 1957. It's a meditation about life and death. It's set in the Middle Ages, and it focuses on a medieval knight who, uh, at the very opening of the film, uh, he wakes on a beach at dawn, and the grim reaper, death, is there to, uh, to take him. And there's this chess set set up on the beach. And he indicates, he challenges death to a game of chess. And, and death is like, why do you want to play chess with me? And he's like, oh, I have my reasons. His reason is, as long as the knight continues to win the game, he gets to live. And, and death agrees to that. Now, this scene has been satirized by Woody Allen it's it's been satirized in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and uh, which but my film was before Bill, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and I um, because I grew up in Maryland, we um, we went to the beach to the Ches- the Chesapeake Bay before dawn, so we could catch dawn coming mm. up over the water. And death was played by my boyfriend and future ex-husband, Bob, (laughs) which was kind of ironic. And uh, the knight was played by Eric, who was the best man at our wedding. And when, so it's basically the same setup, but when the knight challenges death to a game of chess, death says he never learns. So the knight has to think quickly, and he holds up a piece of bazooka bubblegum, Remember Bazooka? It used to have fortunes in the wrappers. They don't even make this stuff anymore. And he said, do you like bubblegum? Well, death loves bubblegum. So they agree to abide by the fortunes in the wrappers. And the knight's wrapper says, you will go on a long journey soon. And death says, you will soon obtain what you seek. And the... The last shot is uh, Death putting his arm around the knight's shoulder and walking down the beach, and Death starts skipping. And it wasn't until just a few years ago, after I'd been doing this Death education stuff as the doyen of Death, that I realized, wow, I'm doing what I, I'm meant to do, because mm. it was that project back in college that I'm making fun of death in films, and I use funny films to illustrate ideas about cremation and funeral planning and, and a whole host of issues uh, dealing with death and grief, and, um, and I have a license to use film, cl- film clips in my talks, but 
when I look back now, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, which is very satisfying. I love doing this, too. I, I, I get to wear really interesting clothing. I, <laughs> I have cowboy boots with skulls on them and, um, and a concho belt that's all skulls. <laughs> but when you're the doyen of death, you can get away with that. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so the idea... No, I didn't see that movie... Um, and, and so I don't know how it ends, like, in the real movie. I mean, it, Everybody it, dies. <laughs> everybody dies? Everybody okay. dies. Well, it's during the Black Plague in the Middle Ages. Ah. Huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> so. But there's so a very that, beautiful scene. But Yeah, I mean, that, that, was very, um, that was very creative of you, and it was very, like, you <laughs> It's um, my feeling was when you were telling the story that oh no I don't want death to win you know I mean I think we're so it's such a uh, such an emotional topic it's like oh no the knight should figure out a way to to stall him longer or something. Well, he does he does win the game through a lot of it. Actually, you should watch Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey because they actually do win. And, uh, uh-huh. and Death joins their rock and roll band. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Now, do you think this was, um, this was somehow a, a, a forerunner of, like, the, that your, your first husband was, um, I mean, ultimately the relationship died, but do you think there was something about you casting him as, the, as Death? Well, he's at, he was... Actually, a really excellent actor, and his facial expressions in the uh, in the film are, are just great. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, we we never know what the future holds. Right, right. It's kind of ironic. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're talking about the Grim Reaper. Um, there's a in in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a place I'm sure you've heard of it called the Magic Castle. And they have, I was taking my mother there for her birthday uh, one year, and um, they said, would you, we have a thing for people's birthdays, you know, when we bring the dessert, we, well, actually, I think it said this on their, on their website or something, I just knew that they have someone come out and bring the birthday cake dressed in costume, but I didn't know what the costume was. And so um, when I went there, Oh, that's what happened. That's right. When I went there, and I went up to them to remind them that it's my mother's birthday, you know, so please bring out the cake, they said, well, I, are you sure you want us to do this? Because the person <laughs> who brings out the cake is dressed as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and I decided that since my mother is of a certain age, that probably she would not find the humor in this. <laughs> <laughs> Someone coming towards you, uh, dressed as the Grim Reaper, carrying your birthday cake. You do have to have a good sense of humor for that, and be like twenty-one, or else, yeah. or else it bothers you. <laughs> well, all right. Let's. So, okay. So, um, so you had this, um, you know, the, the idea that you had for the book 
um, you wound up doing as a column, and then you noticed that people were writing in more um, when it was about death. So what, mm-hmm. were, what kinds of questions were people, like what were people writing into the newspaper? Well, there are issues about, you know, how expensive funerals are, about pet loss, actually, uh, was one of the stories that I did, and that really got people writing, and people love their pets, and that's been a growing part of the funeral business, believe it or not, uh, for funeral homes to offer pet-specific services. The idea being here that if they treat you and your deceased pet well, you're going to remember them when a person dies mm. and, and return to that, that business. But there are also um, questions about religion, and the Pew Research Center has been doing studies that I've been tracking over the past seven years that indicate there's a growing number of the percentage of people in the United States who have no religion, who claim no religion. Wow. And the thing about religion is that gives you rituals and structure yes. to follow when somebody dies. And if you're not following any kind of structures when someone dies, you are thrown into chaos. Yeah. And uh, there is a growing trend for certified funeral celebrants. And that's one other thing that I did when I became a certified thanatologist is also become a certified funeral celebrant and have done a number of memorial services and funerals for families that don't have a religious tradition. And we make it all about the person who dies and the theme of their lives. And I think that is a growing desire among the baby boomers and younger generations to to make a memorial service a celebration of the life, mm-hmm. not a downer funeral. And so those are some of the changes that we're seeing in our society today. But um, all... Over 30% of our adult population now is non-religious, atheist, agnostic, nothing in particular, spiritual, but not religious. Boy, you know, that is such a, uh, it's a trend that really horrifies me, Um, Mm. especially at a time when, um, you know, when there are so many things like terrorism in particular, that's why... Uh, you know that's most notable to me, and and mm-hmm. but but lots of other things where um, I mean the world is in chaos and all different kinds of chaos, and um, passing on religious traditions, even if you don't have, um, even if it does, even it's not if it's not necessarily the most orthodox religious things, you know, or prayers, or um, but just at least the family traditions, the, the ancestors' traditions, and yes, going to your place of worship um, as every once in a while at least, uh, if not every week, uh, that's so important to before you die for families mm-hmm. to um, have that structure that you were saying and to have that comfort of, um, of, of the sense of, of people, humanity, living on, you know, generation 
to generation. And so the idea that, and I know it's true that people of all religions are like just kind of shedding their religion, becoming cynical. Part of it is because of all the chaos. They're becoming so cynical. Uh, how could there be a God if, if this is happening and that's happening, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very sad, and, and people need to like actively um, pay attention to that and not let it happen to their family. Well, and in the Jewish tradition, there, there is this um, seven-day period called Shiva, which means seven, that happens right after the funeral where the family retreats to the home and the community brings them food, keeps them company. Uh, they have prayer services in the home. And there was an article in the New York Times a few years ago about something called secular Shivas where... Mm-hmm. You know, somebody has a loved one die, they're not Jewish, but their community comes to their home and sits with them and they tell stories and they, they talk about the, the person who died. And, and it's a secular version of the Jewish tradition mm. of sitting Shiva. And that is so important psychologically for the health of the people who have suffered this loss to um, be able to get that support of your community and to take the time to recognize, yes, I have suffered a loss. Because so many people are like, ah, i got to get back to work and, uh-huh. and you know, I'll deal with this later. And that is not good for your psychological makeup. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we need to take another break. Um, my guest is Gail Rubin, the Dwayne of Death. Um, she also, as she was saying, is a certified thanatologist, um, which means death, uh, uh, and a certified celebrant uh, also, which she'll tell us a little bit more about. So stay tuned. You see, it isn't so hard to talk about. <laughs> it isn't so depressing <laughs> to talk about death. We're having a good time. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about uh, the last taboo, death, with my guest, Gail Rubin, the Dwayne of death. And, um, boy, during the break, she was just telling me, I was saying that I want to talk about um, one of the things that she does, which is called the Death Cafe, and um, she was just telling me a story about the founder of the Death Cafe, which kind of uh, underlines how we none of us know um, which breath will be our last. So go ahead, Gail. Why don't you tell us that story? So the Death Cafe is an opportunity for people to come together and have a little coffee or tea, some cake or cookies to relax us and, and talk about mortality issues. The original Death Cafe was held by a gentleman named John Underwood in London in 2011. And he actually based this on the work of a Swiss sociologist named Bernard Cretaz, who held similar events called Café Mortel, which means huh. death cafe. And um, he uh, actually started this whole social structure for people to be able to hold death cafes all around the world. So from his beginning in 2011, uh, in fact, I was the second person in the United States to hold the death cafe in September of 2012. And... It is now in over 50-some countries, and there have been thousands and thousands of these events held. Well, earlier this year, in June, John Underwood died unexpectedly from a brain hemorrhage because he had undiagnosed leukemia. Mm. And this was a big surprise, but John was a uh, Buddhist who thought about death and, you know, pondering the nature of mortality and decay and the importance of being here now and living fully today. So uh, the Death Cafe community was certainly rocked by his unexpected death, and it, but it also reinforces to us that this can happen at any time. So it really does reinforce the need to plan ahead and be prepared. Because if you walk out the door and never come back, what about all your social media? What about all your online passwords? That'll live forever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Facebook, every year they're going to send a little notice to all your friends and say, wish them a happy birthday, and you're going to go, but they're dead. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) But, in fact, I have found that at these Death Cafe events, we have more laughter than tears because it's 
it's just this opportunity for people to talk about things that they don't get to talk about ordinarily with the people you love. And, and that's probably the most important people to, to be clear on these kind of issues, especially medical end-of-life issues, because modern medicine can extend your life and modern medicine can extend your death. If, you know, if, if somebody doesn't know otherwise, you could be on a ventilator, you could be on a feeding tube, and if you're brain dead, if you're, you know, had dementia for years, if you've got another physical affliction that really restricts your life, do you really want to be kept alive? These are tough questions. And some of the questions that we talk about in the Death Cafe, they usually come into four categories, financial, physical, spiritual, and material, like what's going to happen to my stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's very interesting. And the idea behind the Death Cafe is nobody is, it's free from ideology. We're not supposed to lead anybody to any conclusions about life, death, life after death. You know, it's just a safe space to share your thoughts. And that can be very liberating. And um, we're, in fact, we're having two death cafes as part of the inaugural Before I Die Albuquerque Festival that we're having actually starting this Friday, October 20th. And it's going to run for six days at locations all around town with panel discussions with funeral directors and medical professionals and financial and legal advisors. We're going to have a kickoff party in a cemetery with a dinner party called Prelude to Eternity with music and theater. And um, we're going to have a yoga class called From Child Pose to Corpse Pose and a meditation session called Mindfulness, Mortality, and Self-Care. We've got field trips to historic Fairview Cemetery, which was established in 1881, and of a casket-building workshop in town, and the Office of the Medical Investigator. That's very popular. And we've even got a ghost tour. And the local uh, art house cinema is going to be showing Harold and Maude and the Seventh Seal. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and we've got a group of artists that uh, make ceramic and wood cremation urns. They're having an art show. So we've got things all around town, and uh, it's very in- exciting that people are signing up for these events. You know, it's interesting that it's close to Halloween. Did you do that on purpose? Yes, yes. In <laughs> fact, October 30th is Create a Great Funeral Day. And uh, and then, of course, Halloween, and then we have the Day of the Dead celebration in, uh, in the Southwest. It's very big because it comes to us from uh, Middle uh, Central America and Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, I think next year I'll probably do this again, but start it on uh, Create a Great Funeral Day and go through the Day of the Dead celebrations mm. and mm. do it into early November. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds, um, uh, I, 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 in your, in your, I mean, this, um, this, this event that you, that you just talked about sounds really, um, very interesting and not too morbid and, you know, 
Um, no, very upbeat. Yeah. With the with the desk cafes, um, is it you're the leader? I mean, are you like giving lectures, or is it more like people just chatting with each other and? And do they bring their family and friends, or do they meet? Like, is this a <laughs> is this a place We're, to date? <laughs> <Think of it>. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't think any date. new relationships have come out of it uh, yet. But um, <laughs> I did have one uh, at one event. A uh, a gal, probably in her thirties, brought her mom and her grandmother. That was a, the a first for having multiple generations in mm-hmm. one family there. And mm-hmm. the grandmother, I could tell she was sitting there like, you can't convince me to do anything. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but the idea is, you know, you just come and you listen if you want to listen. You talk if you want to talk. I'm a facilitator where I try to keep the conversation going. If somebody is dominating the conversation, I try to steer it towards other people who haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to talk. And, um, um, but it's accessible. There, there is no agenda. I, I like to start out by having people introduce themselves and why they came. Yeah. And then we branch out into a discussion. And I've had people who have had near-death experiences and talking about uh, what that was like, and it's different for everybody, Mm-hmm. Except for the idea that after somebody has a near-death experience, they are not afraid of dying, which mm. I find very comforting. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I've had regulars, I mean, people who come to almost every single one of them. I, I hold them about monthly. Mm. And, wow. um, and they mm-hmm. are all around the country. Hmm. And, and how uh, long do they usually last? I mean, like, how long is each one? I usually conduct it for about up to two hours. Uh huh. And uh, we have the time just flies, you know, when people do that. So we're going to have two death cafes that are a part of the Before I Die Festival. Uh huh. Uh huh. And people are signing up for it. Well, it it um. It really. Well, why don't you give out? Since we're talking about it, why don't you give out the website for where people can sign up for that? It's uh, before I die abq dot com, and um, my website for my books and other things is a good goodbye dot com. A good goodbye dot com. Now, um, you also have had a. I don't know, you talk on your website, so I'm not telling anything that's, you know, um, that you had breast cancer, and you're a breast cancer survivor, and you were uh, diagnosed with that in 2008. So that was before you started all of this death stuff. Yes, yes. Nothing uh, makes you more aware of your mortality than a brush with something like cancer. Um, I was very fortunate in that it was caught early. My my mother had breast cancer mm. at the age of 47, and so I was very good about getting mammograms. And at the age of 50, they found some suspicious microcalcifications. So mm. uh, it was treated with surgery, a, a lumpectomy, and, and radiation treatment. I didn't have to have chemotherapy, but... 
Yeah, it was a very aggressive form of cancer. And when they, the doctors were talking to me about my, my options, they were like, well, you can not do anything. You could have a mastectomy. And, uh, like, both of those just seemed a little too extreme. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so, so getting the treatment that I did, and I'm cancer-free now, and I, I actually had the opportunity to speak to a group of cancer patients and uh, their doctors earlier this year. And I started out by saying, you know, when the doctor's office calls you and tells you you must come in to get the results of your biopsy in person, mm. the mm. news is probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so, but, you know, but surely that was um, consciously, if, not, if unconsciously, if not consciously, that would have had to have been a motivator for, I mean, not... You know, actually, I think unconsciously it started in college with your with your bubblegum movie, but yeah. <laughs> um, and you were saying that was kind of the beginnings, but but certainly um, having cancer in two thousand and eight would have been something that precipitated, you know, or or started this uh, this fate, started what you were ultimately doing to come a little sooner. Yeah, that um, you know, you realize. Well, this body that we have is is temporary, even though we may feel that our spirit is eternal. Um, I think but one of the things that frightens people the most about death is that we're afraid of pain. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of uncertainty. Um, we don't... We're afraid of disability. So I really feel like Death itself is not anything to be afraid of, but what really terrifies us is not being able to live as fully and deeply as we are hopefully doing today. Mm -hmm. And um, part of that gives rise to this idea of physician aid in dying, where... If somebody has a terminal diagnosis and they know they're going to die a horrible, painful death, in just a handful of states, you can get prescription to help end your life on your own terms without, you know. Of course, I I believe that that's a rather slippery slope. I don't think we have that down yet as to when it's appropriate and when it isn't. But but certainly, it brings um, a a lot of the things that you were saying bring to mind what we started out talking about, which is how you do have to live uh, for today, for this minute, that not to be morbid about it, but that we don't know um, when we when something had happened, walk out in the street and get run over by a car, have an aneurysm burst, whatever. It's not. Um, no one has. No one has a guarantee that um, except for those mice who I'm going to go for the mice <laughs> with yeah. the blood, <laughs> vampire mice. <laughs> but well, yeah, I want to thank my guest Gail, Gail Rubin, um, the Dwyane of Death. Check out her website. Check out the, her her um, festival or event that's happening in New Mexico. is is sounds really interesting. So check Before that out. Before I as die, well. ABQ. Yes. Yes. 
And, and as Mark Twain said, the fear of death follows from fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. Yes, absolutely. So my absolutely. motto is just like talking about sex won't make you pregnant, talking about funerals and end-of-life issues won't make you dead. Yes, okay. <laughs> That's a good thing to remember and to end with. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.